Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for tuning in to the Sons of UCF Live replay. A reminder, if you want to catch the live show on video, always available on our YouTube page. Just search Sons of UCF. And the Sons of UCF is proud to be sponsored by our friends at Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust. So contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. You can visit their website at www.fortheinjured.com or send Michael a text at 407-913-5350. Don't trust just anybody. Trust the best. And trust a fellow knight. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. It's not just a haircut. It's an experience. Welcome to something you see of live. Tonight, charge on. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Trolko. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Adam, I see you. Mike, I do not see. Perhaps he will join us in progress. Bat breaking news. Uh, Mike is actually defected to the Big Ten Conference. Uh, so he will be uh, uh, the Sons of Ohio State coming soon, apparently. I don't know. Well, I was going to wish both of you a happy new year as the fiscal year for UCF Athletics concludes on June 30th hey. and the new year starts July 1st. But the Big Ten has just a degraded a degradation of college athletics with this uh, uh, move now and taking in it's official now USC and UCLA they're in California they're joining a midwestern eastern uh, league uh, that known is known as the Big Ten with now 16 um, professional franchises your reaction to the big news that is rocking uh, college athletics and, and what do you think the impact might be on UCF and the Big 12. Are we going to remain in the American 3.0? I mean, first, I mean, it's a bit of a bummer, right? I mean, if you're a, a college football purist, you've seen these dominoes coming for a long time. And, and I guess the reality is the quiet part is now being said out loud. It's all about money. I mean, the, the reasoning for those two California schools to go to the Big Ten is so they can get reap additional revenue from the, the contract that the Big Ten is putting together. And I think one of the tell signs that really nobody picked up on, you and I were talking before we started with this, around reporting and who had this, 
if anyone was paying attention, the Big Ten television contract was up in May. We were expecting, you know, information in May about what happened. We were just told there was a delay and there was no information. Well, now you know what it was. The information was we're going to add in these other schools. The Big Ten's a Fox conference, SEC is an ESPN conference. So the reality is corporate greed, corporate television contracts are now butting heads and us as college football fans are all impacted. So in some respects, a bit of me is sad today because the college football that you've known and loved is, has changed forever. And the reality is it's been changing for a long time. So it sounds a little Pollyanna-ish to say all of a sudden today. It's sad because you've seen it coming. This is not this is not brand new news. But today is just another you know whack across the face around that reality that this really is a money-driven sport. For UCF, this is interesting. I think the reality is being on this side of the fence and being, uh, you know, technically now a, a power five school feels a lot better than being on the other side of the fence. But there's certainly, you know, more um, concern probably today than there was yesterday in terms of UCF status. There are all kinds of reports out there. Let me be the first to report one thing. This is exclusive to the Suns UCF. Anybody who tells you they know what's going on, they're they lying to you. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows what None this means yet. None of these dialed in college Nobody. football reporters or any of these publications or networks spoke one word of this before it broke this afternoon from Correct. a local reporter in California. So yeah. they're all dialed in. None of them would have sat on this information. And so suddenly they're now reacting as experts. Uh, they, Nobody they, knows they what. I've been look. I, I, Trace and I have been sitting here. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, people. I don't. I don't have reporting on this. I don't have sourcing on this. Trace does, and nobody does. Right? Here's what I can tell. You. Here's I've got some. Here's what I pulled today. So according to the Athletic, the Athletic feels like the Big Twelve is in a position of strength, largely because the Pac-12 their, their grant of rights agreement expires before the Big uh, the Big Twelve stuff, meaning. Pac-12 schools can leave the Big 12 without penalty to go to another school. To me, a lot of these dominoes trace really all fall on Oregon and Washington. I think they've applied from what someone um, – yeah, I'm not I mean, keeping that, up on the news. That just broke right before we went yep. live that Oregon and Washington now want into the Big 10. If that happens, the Pac-12 really ceases to exist, as you know. Where's the draw in the Pac-12? That would lead you to think that new commissioner, which we'll get to, welcome to the job, my friend. Oh, no, that was the <laughs> A big couple news things on your plate today. Going right? into Brett Yormack, uh, the fifth commissioner in league history. Welcome to your new position as Big 12 commissioner. Yeah, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And the reality is there now may be some Pac-12 schools that maybe now you take over to the Big 12. The two Arizonas, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado would seem to be the prevailing theories. That becomes a 16-team league. Kansas, I think, is flirting with either the Big Ten or the ACC. I don't really know. But good riddance, well, There was one the report, way. right, that they were going to go independent in football Correct. and join the Big East in all sports. Was one Correct. report today? Yeah, I, I mean, if anyone tells you they know what's going on today, they, they do not know. Here's what I can tell you from a UCF standpoint. You've got to feel a little bit better today about being on this side of the fence than you would have had this deal with the Big 12 not been in place. Because if not, you're the cows who are grasping at straws, hoping somebody is going to want, you know, want to expand and add them in. So we're on the right side, at least of the fence at this point. I think the Big 12 has opportunity. I, I saw an interesting quote that I'll read, Trace. Bob Bowlesby, after... Uh, after the Oklahoma Texas thing said that as as the Big 12 they had typically been playing offense and that there was quote no opportunity I'm sorry typically playing defense and there was no opportunity to play offense well new commissioner Brett Yormark has an opportunity now to play offense can go get some schools is the Big 10 done what does the SCC do how does the ACC respond nobody really knows this as a UCF fan right now you got to feel good that we're on that side but if anyone tells you what's happening I don't think they really know 
I don't know that uh, I'm curious if UCF would would comment on what they knew at this point, too. But nah. it's all in flux. Um, nah. it, it's all in flight. Um, there's some hope that the Big 12 remains and can actually fortify. And that would be obviously in UCF's best interest. But dominoes continue to fall in this one. Who knows? How about those um, Rutgers UCLA volleyball matches? I mean, what mm. this does to student athletes. Now the leagues are saying, uh, you know, the, the teams USC and UCLA that it may lead to enhanced travel, uh, you know, plans for for their uh, their Olympic sports, meaning charter flights, right? Uh, which okay. That's nice, but none of this is very fan friendly. Great television product, ESPN and Fox doing battle here, right? In this, what of the ACC, which would have been a better fit for UCF certainly geographically than the Big Twelve? What can they do now? What's left for them to poach? The reality. So, from what I read, the ACC television contract has these folks locked into like twenty thirty five, and there's some pretty steep penalties for schools who want to escape the ACC. So you would think that the exodus would be at a cost. Now, maybe the the fees and the and the generation you get revenue wise from the SEC or the Big Ten would entice a Clemson, would entice an FSU to say, hey, you know what, we'll eat this cost here because we'll make it up here. But where do you where do you gain at that point, too? I think the ACC is in a really tough spot at this point. I, again, I think every conference is kind of scrambling. You would think with the with the Pac-12 potentially, potentially crumbling. The ACC sort of kind of locked in. The Big 12 would have an opportunity to, to poach a couple of schools out there and figure out what happens. Obviously, Notre Dame's always out there. I think there's Notre ACC. Dame is there's, another there's, wild card. Yeah. there's Big 10 stuff for them, right? But you would think the Big 12 is in an opportunity now to, for the first time in Bob Bowlesby's words, to play some offense versus playing defense. But ACC is curious. Keep an eye on, on Clemson, Miami, or State. You know, what is what is that really going to mean for those schools? How much is that going to cost to get out of their deals? Where can they go? Is the SEC done? Does the SEC respond now because of this? It's all going to be really just, you know, unfortunately, an arms race in, in some respects. There are fewer and fewer poachable teams that you'd want that add value uh, to your league. But you mentioned Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Nothing now geographically is off the board. They'll take anybody. Uh, you know, and you're looking at the TV dollars here. For USC, UCLA, maybe $20, $30 million with a Pac-12 contract, upwards of $100 million plus uh, from the Big Ten. So certainly financial sense. But can we all stop bashing the student athletes for selling some shirts and taking NIL deals when this sort of money is flying around in so-called amateur athletics? I mean, we, we really have to stop bashing players. And at what point do these players organize uh, as a union? Because they are the labor pool for the NCAA. That'll be interesting to see how that unfolds yeah. in the years to come. Well, I mean, the interesting thing now is every, the, you know, everyone's saying, okay, what's the next domino? And the next domino is do these two power entities, the, the SEC and the new big 10 just break away from the NCAA altogether. And has it become its own semi-pro semi-formal type of league? In which case, to your point, all doors are open, right? All doors from unionization to, to monetization, all that stuff becomes on the table at that point. So it's everyone who tells you they know what's happening next again does not know. I think no. really follow the money, follow the TV contracts. I, I think that there will be dominoes to fall. I think some people are thinking, hey, you know what? This breakaway from the NCAA was decades away. Friends, it's on the doorstep at this point, right? What what stops that from taking place at, at this point in time? Those two conferences are now probably bigger, better, more financially stable than the NCAA totally, right? So how do you, how do you prevent that from happening? And to your point then, Trace, 
NIL becomes a blink, you know, becomes a drop in the bucket in terms of what happens there. Yeah, the NCAA is pretty irrelevant as it stands now. These leagues just amassing so much strength and dollars and power. They don't need the NCAA. Uh, they'll seed their own bowl games. They'll do whatever they want uh, with their championships. And and people will tune in. You know, it's a funny thing, right? If you're a UCF fan, you hope that Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten so that the Pac-12 can be, uh, you know, rated uh, by – uh, the Big 12. So you're you're rooting for more of this. It's just Armageddon, right? It's just, as you said, an arms race and everybody doing battle with one another. It's musical chairs, right? I mean, Mario on screen right here, it's musical chairs. Oregon and Washington now are probably next. You know, were they not looped in? Did they hear this news today? And now their their presidents and chancellors are scrambling saying, how do we how do we get there? It's it's musical chairs. And whoever's got the last chair is really going to potentially be the one you know, outside of, again, from UCF standpoint specifically, we were on the other end of this, you know, what, five, six years ago when, when the Big 12 was going to expand and they didn't and we got stuck. Now at least we're on a little bit of that better side. You got to feel better that maybe we at least have a chair where it is and, you know, can't wait for that conference rival to, to Arizona State. But, I mean, the reality is, um, you know, at least we're on this side of the fence versus, you know, that, that you know, age-old matchup with Middle Tennessee State. Kansas remains out there that is an interesting player. And again, who moves first here? Does the Big 12 take some teams out of the Pac-12 or does the Pac-12 move first? Uh, Pac-12 really in a defensive posture here and certainly would rather be UCF uh, where they are now than where they were before. But if you had on your bingo card, when you say uh, nobody knows anything, uh, who had USC and UCLA in the Big 10 before Oklahoma and Texas would begin playing in the SEC? Nobody had that. Yeah, it's such an odd fit. Right? Nothing says college football like that. 11 a.m. Eastern kickoff between Iowa and USC, right? Nothing says, nothing romanticizes football, college football like that. It's obviously, you know, it, it's when you sit and look at it now, you go, oh, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the reality. Nothing is too out of the ordinary now. Nothing really shocks you. You go, oh, really? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Right? Tradition, they've, yeah, they've blown it's, through it's that a long time ago. Geography. They began to eat away at that. And now you look at a map, California, you've moved yeah. from there. I was born I there, long way away from Rutgers it's <laughs> and, not close. and Maryland, Maryland. Uh, I just want to see, I want Hawaii to the ACC. That'll make me happy. That'll make me smile if we get Hawaii to the ACC. And what next now? I mean, if you're UCF, again, the athletic year kicks off July 1st. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to raise money. Uh, we kind of are going to adjust our schedule a little bit. We continue with that Meet the Big 12 series. We uh, did an interview uh, that we needed to do pre-record and uh, with a Kansas State insider. <laughs> well, Kansas State be in this league when UCF starts playing. We'll have that interview, get to know more about uh, Kansas State. In that interview, I thought was interesting is that they put more than $300 million into their football uh, stadium at Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas. This is big dollars all across, no matter where everything sorts out. Money, money, money. Yeah, you ask what are the dominoes again? I, I think it's um, it's it's Washington and Oregon. I think oddly enough, they hold a lot of cards because if they bolt the Pac-12, 
then that, that becomes the sort of the power grab for who's left over, who can you get, who can you grab. Boise State out there, San Diego State out there. Does the Pac-12 go there? Is that enough to, to compete with conferences? You know, some people are talking about let's merge the, you know, the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 together. Maybe that's an option at this point. It's funny, a year ago, that was what was on the table, right? And the Pac-12 balked at that idea and said, no, we're not interested in any of that. And then, Trace, probably the most underreported story of all time in sports. I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on the alliance between the Pac-12 <laughs> How the Big Ten, was that? and the ACC. That alliance that, that held for – it wasn't nothing. a deal. It was a handshake deal. We looked each other in the eye and said we'd figure it out. I need I need a 30 for 30 on that alliance because that uh, – that thing turned out really, really, really well for the Pac-12. But they have a new commissioner, just like, obviously, the Big 12 does. It's almost an identical parallel, right? Last year at this time, Pac-12 dealing with a lot of changes, new commissioner coming in, not a lot of ties to college football. What are they going to do? What's their response? Again, don't forget, also, the Pac-12 had their own Pac-12 network, which is which is now defunct. It is folding. It has not made itself a, a, a force from a TV standpoint. So there's a lot of things now. The Pac-12 domino has really kind of shifted. And if Oregon and Washington jump ship, um, I think if a UCF fan, you've got to feel better about what your position is. Well, and remember, part of this alliance and, 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 and this talk was at one point that maybe the Pac-12 would be interested in uh, it really, the eight remaining Big 12 schools were shopping themselves everywhere, and nobody really mm -hmm. wanted the collective eight, right? Yeah. So in this new universe, what still will be the value of a Texas Tech in Lubbock uh, and uh, an Iowa State in Ames, Iowa? ESPN, Fox primarily, right, are sitting down trying to figure all of this out and what works in their best interest and where the eyeballs are. And I think it's helpful for UCF certainly to be in the Big 12, but the key part of that, besides a Houston, you know, Cincinnati and those rivalries and, and the recognition they've received is BYU is, is a big factor and a big draw for the Big 12. Now, how locked in are any of these four schools in the Big 12? I mean, you know, if if the Pac-12 comes calling, uh, is that more enticing to a BYU now? Can they bolt uh, the Big 12 without ever having played a game? I mean, the, the legendary story is that the, the Pac-12 has not been pleased with BYU as an institution for other factors outside of football. So does that does that match just from a principal perspective? I don't really know. But let me ask you this, Trey. So keeping the, the Big 12 intact now, so take Texas, Oklahoma out of it. You add in Arizona, add in Arizona State, add in Utah, add in Colorado. So you've got a 16-team Big 12. Is that a formidable enough conference? Is that a conference as a UCF fan that you go, hey, you know what? That's actually not a, not a bad gig with those schools that are going to be involved. Is that a conference that you'd say, I'm, I'm glad my school's involved in that conference? Well, I'm, I'm going back to TV dollars here. If you're talking about this new contract with the so-called Big Ten being more than $100 million and UCF's getting, what, $7 million in the AAC and and the uh, the Big 12 current contract is what was it in the in the 40s? You know that it, it wasn't probably going to be as high as that. But that is still a big gulf of difference uh, between the, the haves and, and the lesser haves in this. Uh, I mean, again, you still rather be UCF in its current situation uh, than where it was. But this gap in TV revenue now has to take a toll on everybody left behind. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Eric on screen, I got a comment here. Memphis is another school that's kind of in the, in the wings. They were always Memphis, Boise, I think, were kind of that next tier of school that you thought was going to get into the Power Five conference, right? Schools like that today have got to be scratching their head, like, where do, where do we stand? There, there may be some, some options uh, you know, to, to make that work. Again, I think a lot of it figures out what's the Pac-12 going to do? Are they going to be able to defend their turf? And, and keep their schools and figure out a way to add to it. Right. So they keep their Washington and, and the Oregon's and they try to add to it and they try to fortify their conference. Or if they get pillaged again, is this an opportunity for, uh, for any of the other conferences, namely the big 12 to pounce? I think, again, that's, that's the, really the story to follow on this one is, is where that domino falls because the PAC 12 has got to be in a tailspin right now and, and more exodus, continues to show their opportunity of weakness. Their TV contract is up. Their grant of rights has opportunity right now to get out. You would think that that that's the position that you don't want to be sitting in the Pac-12. You don't want to be in that left coast right now because that seems to be the, the weak opportunity. But anything can happen at this point. That's, that's the, I mean, all these different theories that are coming on the screen here that I'm seeing, any of these are possible around, you know, Boise State, Utah State, uh, Lonely Bumblebee talking about some some Mountain West schools. I mean, any of these theories are possible at this point. Um, and, and I don't think any of us really quite know. But I think your point is valid, is what moves the needle TV dollar-wise. And the Pac-12 is going to say, hey, we're going to lose. We lost our two biggest bell cows. We lost Maybe the four. LA market. Maybe Fair. four. We, yeah. Maybe Oregon right and now, Washington. We lost our two biggest bell cow we lost the major tv market of la how do we recoup that back it's not boise right it's not going to be utah state all respect to those schools that's not going to get you those dollars back no and not not boise and not memphis so back to what you were saying about uh big uh, or the, the the tv contract coming up in in may and those negotiations and everything being very quiet again back to espn fox what makes more sense which of these leagues pac 12 and big 12 can generate more revenue for them you know so if the pac 12 is successful in that who do they steal away i mean i know it's arguable here that byu houston cincinnati and ucf they with those four don't replace texas and oklahoma i i get that but who replaces usc and ucla maybe oregon and washington that's not memphis and boise state and colorado state and san diego state it, it, they they do yeah, not gain from that. There, there's nobody. I mean, they would literally need to steal a Clemson, a Florida State, a Miami to the Pac-12, which would just be bonkers. I guess don't rule it out, right? But it would, they would need a, a big draw like that. And there aren't schools out there that are that are available. That's where that that vulnerability comes into place, as you would think. Again, the Big 12 has that sort of power position right now. Again, not that Arizona's and not that Utah and Colorado move that needle, but you at least fortify your conference. You 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 probably firmly. I, I don't know. Is is a is a Big Twelve with Arizona, Utah, and Colorado? Is that better than an ACC conference with Clemson, Miami, Florida State? Like obviously, SEC and Big Ten are going to position themselves one two. Coin toss. Figure that out. Who's the third conference? Is it the Big Twelve with those four schools, or is it the ACC with no change? Again, Notre Dame is a wild card in that, right? They're aligned with the ACC in all sports except football. How long can they continue to hold out as a football independent if there is more money to be made joining one of these other leagues than their exclusivity with an NBC? Well, really, honestly, and, and we you skirted on this earlier, I, I think the thing, football drives these conversations, right? But it's here's the domino effect the 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 olympic sports are going to be impacted and so the you know the the kid who's sitting in 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 la today and signed on to play at usc to play on 
you know, to be a part of the, the women's rowing team. And now they're going to go, you know, take a road trip to Maryland. Their family's not going to see them, right? No. They're, they're, a whole bunch of logistics have just changed from a college perspective. And the reality is the dollars are going to make sense. And, and again, it's very Pollyanna-ish to say, well, what about the rowing team? And the reality is the dollars and cents don't make sense. But, you know, the, the football world will be fine. It, it, it'll figure itself out. But you, you worry about these basketball, baseball, softball, and some of the Olympic sports and, and what that's going to do. You know, if, even if UCF, if we're taking our, our you know, maybe Maddie Bejarano should have stayed. We would have had home games in Arizona at this point, right? She could have been right in her own backyard. So, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting to see how all that stuff will work out. Well, and you mentioned that, right? Uh, Maddie and being closer to home, recruiting changes uh, maybe somewhat here as well uh, with these sorts of dollars. I know a lot of our fans want to dismiss that and they say uh, basketball, men's basketball should compete. The budget shouldn't matter, but it, it does matter. Uh, budgets do matter and what you're able to do and who you're able to visit and and what perks you're able to provide to student athletes it does matter and uh, uh, even more challenging now you know we uh, talked with a kansas insider last week uh, with sb nation uh, as we got to know a little bit more about kansas other than men's basketball what's the draw of kansas to any league and is, is, is the men's basketball just powerful enough that that's the draw? I would think so. Uh, that's a great question. I would think so, right? I would think, I mean, they're a perennial top five college basketball program year in and year out. I would think that in, that they'd have some cachet and a conference would go, hey, you know what? We've got a football doormat here, but we've got a basketball powerhouse. I mean, that you know, college basketball is probably the next most revenue-driven sport so you, you got to think there'd be some advantageousness there um, for them, you know, making a play. It's interesting if they went to a conference in, in basketball and just went independent in football, and th that actually may make the most fiscal sense for them, right? They just go, you know, play the central Connecticut States every week and uh -huh. eat out a 17, 16 barn burner, but their, their basketball teams and, you know, the big 10 competing for championships that, that could make some sense from, from that standpoint, if they're able to break that apart. You know, we're talking about geography. We've mentioned uh, Memphis and Boise State, the appeal that they might have. You've seen Colorado State in the mix on this, San Diego State. What of the cows over in Tampa? Are they in a better position today or worse position because some of this that's playing out is west? Or does any of this matter? I, I think uh, in looking at the social media stuff, I think they think they're in a better position, right? I think they, they want to think, think. Right. They think that they have that opportunity. Here's the the reality is you can't rule anything out, right? I mean, the, the, just when you thought you've been shocked enough, something like that could happen. Again, I, I would think that they they may have a fringe chance of a conference being like, hey, we need to grab just we need quantity at this point, so we need to get to 20 schools. We have 18. Who's left? There may be a quantity play, but I can't imagine a schools out there going, you know what? Our conferences out there going, you know what? We're really lacking. You know what we need? The cows. I, I just can't. They may build a stadium one day. We might want them. That uh, that practice facility looks. I just can't imagine there's a conference out there. I can't imagine the ACC is like we've got to respond to the Big Ten. Somebody get Kelly on the phone of the cow. I can't imagine that's what's happening but in that office. Does the ACC say, "Let's get UCF. Let's strengthen ourselves in Florida and the East Coast." I I I can't say no. I can't say that they wouldn't say, "Hey, let's 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 respond in some respects. Let's 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 call the you know the Cincinnati's and the UCFs and say, hey, you're on this side of the country. They they might not want you anyway. Maybe they're going to merge and you're going to be left out. Like you got a home with us here. We'll bring you into the family. We'll do. I mean, 
I can't rule that out. I can't rule anything out at this point. <laughs> can't rule anything I mean, out. Mario's got a point, though. I mean, would 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 the conferences the the longstanding belief has been that they don't want the competition, right? You know, Miami, Florida State don't want another Florida school. So at, at this point, do all those, those are the old axioms fall, right? Do they all fall at this point, right? It's wild, wild west. But does adding UCF to the ACC add more dollars to Florida State, and Miami's pockets? Do we move the needle with the TV contracts? And then if not UCF, who remaining does? I mean, at this point, the Big 12 took what it considered the four best schools on the board, right? And they left behind Memphis and Boise State. And yeah, there's another round of possibilities, but they made a decision what they felt was the best four for any number of financial factors for them. And I don't know how, uh, you know, the leagues don't continue to look at that. Who moves the needle? And I, I understand the point there, but I think that's an old rule. I don't I don't think we can go with anything that has been happening. Uh, it, it all goes out the window now. I think really the question becomes from a TV perspective, you're never going to make up enough revenue to compete with this new Big Ten and the new SEC with Texas and Oklahoma, right? If you're ESPN, do you have a, a pot of money that you're willing to allot to college, live college athletics, live college football? And if that pot is just round numbers here, it's it's $1 million and you give $990,000 to one of the other conferences, is, is how much is left over for all, even if you add a UCF, if you add a cow, if you add whoever, is the revenue going to be even available from a budgetary perspective? And, and what are the expectations of an ACC? Are they comfortable saying, hey, we're going to add these schools in just so we can maintain and not lose? Or do they think they're going to exponentially you know, uh, you know, get more money in their coffers? I, I think a TV executive would be a fantastic person to, to understand how this would work. Like if you're going to fully invest in, in either of those two. So ESPN and Fox are clearly putting their chess pieces on the board. We've got Big Ten. We've got SEC. We're going to go head to head. Where do the little guys fall and how much money is left over for those little guys? How much revenue is left over? ESPN has a lot of channels to fill. They have a digital platform they need to fill. You would think there'd be some opportunity there for them to say, hey, maybe we take an ACC and we move you all digital, right? And here's a here's a $10 million kicker for the inconvenience. I, I guess anything like that is on the table. <laughs> Let's go back to um, the new commissioner of the Big 12, Brett Yormack, uh, yeah. and what he now faces. But 24 hours ago, Certainly an interesting name, right? And an accomplished guy uh, and brings a different perspective. He's uh, he's facing a unique situation, uh, a trial by fire here, thrown into the deep end of the pool very early on, has to make some very big decisions uh, that impact a, a lot of uh, a lot of schools. Well, he doesn't take office officially until August 1st. Well, I imagine he's on the phone with somebody right now being like, be hey. I, I've got to have a say in this matter. I mean, let's let's just start with the what higher. Will the world so, look like in another month if he sits on the sidelines? Okay, he may not have point. much of a league left. He's got to be involved in conversations at some level. It's funny prepping for the show and doing research on on, on Brett and w- what he was. I thought we'd be talking about his fit as the con- commissioner, what he would bring to the table, where we are. Now we're talking about how quickly can he get on on board <laughs> to do his job. And here's the reality: I think going into this. This this hire for me 
has the really it's two things. It's either going to be a colossal home run. Why didn't anybody think of this first a visionary hire, or it's going to be an abject failure. I don't think there's any in between with Brett. I don't think this is an Oliver luck. He's safe. He'll do some good things, do some bad things. He'll be fine. This is either a, Oh my goodness. Why didn't anybody else do this first or a, what an unmitigated disaster. I thought we'd have a couple of years to figure that out. Turns out we may have like 45 days. So <laughs> that just really ups that timeline from that standpoint. Uh, everything blew up today. And you know, you said it off the top. Uh, you want to lament this and it's, it's sad on, on some level, but are we going to stop watching? Are we going to yeah. abandon UCF? We're not going to follow the sports. They sort of have us hooked, don't they? Especially for those of us whose alma mater is involved in all of this. Are we really going to stop watching? Now, I pretty much have given up on bowl games. I, I don't watch them. And, uh, but am I ever going to take it out on UCF and not watch wherever they, they end up for crying out loud? I watched them in the Mac. It's <laughs> fair. I, yeah, I can't envision a scenario where I say to myself, you know what? I'm so pissed off at USC that I'm not going to watch UCF play. Like the, I, those connective points don't, don't, don't jive for me. I think, you know, you can lament the fact that the system has certainly now tilted itself in a direction that potentially puts us outside looking in again, just when we thought we were there. And just when we thought we had broken through that glass ceiling, now you're back at that position of going, well, wait a minute, where, where are we at? But I'm not going to turn off my TV every Saturday or random Thursday, Friday night. It's it's going to be on. It's going to be rooting for UCF. Me, you, and maybe Mike, if he shows up, I don't know, are going to be on this show talking about the game, who played well, who didn't play well, and I, that'll that'll continue on. And that's the that's the you know that's the drug, quote unquote, of college football is you're hooked because that's your team, and you're going to stay with that and all this other ancillary stuff. And they know it. it, and it sucks. And they know it, but they know they've got you right, and that's the challenge is they know that you're going to tune in on Apple TV plus on Paramount plus heck we watch games on CBS sports network. It doesn't get much lower than that. Right. And we all tune in for it. They know they've got you and we're going to all going to be there. Call us fools, calls us, call us diehards, call us just passionate. Either way, we're probably going to be there. I love the people who will share on message boards and social media that they used to uh, on their AOL dial up, uh, dial in and listen to uh, the radio. Uh, listen to the games uh, simulcast on the radio from wherever they were over an internet connection that was a dial-up connection. So certainly college sports fans are diehard. It's just none of it's the same and it keeps changing and and we'll see how it uh, continues to shake out. You know, funny, we don't have Mike here on episode 75. Uh, not sure when he'll be joining us. And then we had a guest lined up who has run into a hiccup and then we had to pre-record an interview that we're going to drop after the show. So everything sort of thrown uh up in the air on we can still show. run that I'm tra- me and you talk for 30 straight minutes we can still <laughs> run that if you need to i got it on cue if you don't you i'll tell you up. what if our, our earlier guest is able to hop on we'll okay. jump in and take him but why not uh have us uh, get an opportunity to know a little bit more about possible future <laughs> big 12 opponent kansas state all right well so the, you want to run we'll go with that so we had a chance to uh you want you want to run that? Is that what we're doing? Let's go with it. All right, we're producing live. the fly here. On the fly. live on the fly. Do you want to set this up, or just want to say hello? We set it up in the live, uh, in the pre-recorded live. Our Meet the Big Twelve <laughs> series continues. Now we invite in John Kurtz. He. Yep, I didn't mean to take that off. Sorry. State football and basketball on radio from 2011 to 2021. Current play-by-play broadcaster for Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. Welcome into the Sons of UCF, John. Hey, what's up, guys? I appreciate you having me. 
Thanks so much. Before we talk about Kansas State and get to know the program a little bit better, I want to get your reaction to the Wednesday news that the Big 12 has a new commissioner, one Brett Yormack. Your reaction? Yeah, I'm ecstatic about it, honestly, because, you know, I think what's pretty clear, and, and it was made pretty clear by Lawrence Chobanek, who was the, the head of the Big 12 Board of Directors who made this hire. I mean, college athletics looks so much different than it did, I mean, not even 10 to 20 years ago. How about three years ago, you know, with everything that's happening with NIL, uh, the transfer portal, Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and, and really the SEC and the Big Ten kind of pulling away from everybody. I think it's a completely different game than what it was three, five, 10, 20 years ago. And so you need a hire that reflects that. And, and when I started hearing, in fact, I heard it, and K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor, I respect him a lot, um, really like him. And I think this is a pretty commonly held opinion in the Big 12, but there was a lot of talk about, hey, we need a, a veteran athletic director, somebody that's been in college athletics for a long time, more along the lines of a conventional hire. And I, I did not want that to happen when I started hearing that. I Our guest has joined us, Trace. Good I deal. Prepared. Yeah, I am prepared. prepared. Manny Navarro, he writes for The Athletic, his new article previewing UCF with a very provocative headline, UCF could go to the Big 12 as AAC champion if John Rice Plumley regains his video game magic. We want to get to that in just a moment. Manny, thanks for stopping in on the Sons of UCF Live. I want to get your reaction to the big news now, USC, UCLA, to the Big 10, and all the dominoes that may result. Well, first of all, I apologize for being late, guys. I've uh, I've obviously been busy with that story, working with Grace Rayner, who covers Clemson, uh, sort of writing an ACC perspective on that news. But I can tell you that uh, I think there were a lot of people that were shocked uh, to see what happened today. Not that they didn't expect for more dominoes to fall in the realignment puzzle, but certainly there were a lot of people who uh, were kind of caught, caught off guard uh, with today's news. And now everybody's wondering, well, are we headed to super conferences and uh, – where does that sort of put everybody else in college football? Um, I spoke to multiple administrators today, uh, coaches, and I think, uh, you know, there's a real belief that in two or three years, uh, the Big Ten and the SEC could be in a position where they've got all the best teams uh, and, and you know, and, and forming Super League and, and, and having all the money. So I think that's uh, – that's a real concern here. We'll see how that affects uh, the Big 12 and the ACC and the Pac-12 moving forward. But uh, I think this is just the beginning of more rating of the conferences. Well, obviously, UCF fans have a big interest in this now, having joined the Big 12 one year out from that. What do you think the impact here is on the Big 12? Who's in a better position here, Big 12 or Pac-12? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the Big 12 could potentially be in a better uh, position because you've got, uh, you know, teams in Cincinnati and, and UCF and, uh, you know, coming into this conference now that uh, they've they've been in the national landscape uh, here in recent years, contending for championships, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I think they're as much as it hurts them to lose Oklahoma and Texas, I think they could potentially sway schools uh, like Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, schools that aren't that far away uh, to come join the conference. Now, again, this is all about money and, and TV rights, et cetera. Uh, but I think uh, if, you, if you look at the Pac-12, I certainly think they're susceptible now to, uh, to having some of their schools flee for better situations. 
Mandy, what's the next domino to fall? A lot of folks are saying to keep an eye on Oregon, right? If, if they decide to follow suit with the LA schools, that could be the next domino. In your mind and your reporting, what's the next domino? What's the next you know position we should be looking at to see maybe what the tea leaves read about going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on what the Big Ten is 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 offering some of these schools, you know, and certainly the ACC. There's some schools that that I think really fit uh, the Big Ten in, in terms of their model, in terms of you know, uh, being AAU schools, it, you know, in terms of academic uh, requirements and so forth and being really good basketball schools. I think North Carolina and Virginia fit that bill uh, for, for the Big Ten. I think Oregon, certainly with with Phil Knight out there and, 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 and all the money that he pours into that program, um, I think they're an attractive school to bring in. Um, you know, and then as far as the SEC is concerned, I think it's automatic that Clemson is their number one target, right? Um I think, you know, Notre Dame probably goes to the Big Ten now. Um, I think a school like Miami could potentially be on the SEC's uh, radar, especially if what uh, they're doing down there in Coral Gables now in terms of spending on uh, their athletic budget and, and coaching staff, et cetera, if Miami's able to turn it around. Um, and then it's just sort of a, you know, hey, who, who fits the bill? You know, one thing I heard consistently from from a lot of athletic directors today is that, uh, you know, the 20-team model sort of seems like the most doable. They w- they won't go from uh, 16 like they have right now in the SEC and 16 in, in the Big Ten to 18. It's going to be sort of four teams that each of those conferences is going to go go for at least when they when they go to this super conference model. Man, this may be a really simple question, Manny, and I think maybe there's a simple answer to it, but how, how did we get here? Is it really just all about financials and, and money at this point? It is because, uh, you know, these TV contracts and, and how much they supplement, um, you know, these academic programs. And, and ultimately, it's, it's ESPN and, and Fox who own the television rights, right? I mean, CBS was kind of pushed aside in this whole thing. Um, and now it's, it's just a power grab and, and it's control. And uh, they want the best matchups. They want to be able to, you know, raise the price of that advertising. You look at how much money the NFL is making, right? With those big time games on Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night. Uh, it's all about branding and, and, and creating more revenue. And uh, I think a lot of these schools just don't want to be left out. They don't want to be left behind uh, in this process. And, and the gap is going to widen. I mean, you look at right now with the average payout, um, between the Big Ten and, and uh, SEC, and it doesn't seem like it's that much more than the ACC and the Big 12 and uh, the Pac-12, but 10 years from now, five years from now, it, the gap's only going to widen. And, and in the end, that affects who you can hire as coaches, how much money you can spend on that. Uh, and let's not forget, a lot of schools, you know, we talk about NIL nowadays and, uh, you know, the way that schools are, are, are able to buy these recruits, right, out of high school. Um, not every school has a great support system financially to be able to sort of compete. And, and, and if you can't hire the best coaches at the very least, or, or, uh, you know, provide the best facilities, if you, if you don't have all of that nowadays, you're going to be left behind. And I think, um, you know, it's just, again, it's just a power grab. It's, a, it's, it's all about being able to contend for championships and to make the most money. And, uh, right now it's looking like if you're not in the big 10 or the sec, you're in trouble. Let's go back to your preview article on UCF and the athletic. And you mentioned coaches. How much more difficult did things get for Gus Malzahn? And what do you think of the job he did in his first season? Well, I did. I think he did phenomenally in year one. I mean, I think he really worked the transfer portal well. And, uh, you know, that's the way a lot of coaches are sort of surviving nowadays. I I went back and I researched UCF's recruiting classes here uh, the last few years. And, 
you know, they did a good job bringing in players, but uh, a lot of them ended up leaving, right, at one point or another, and, and uh, Gus sort of inherited that problem. And when, when you have a few recruits that don't follow through and, and, they, and they take off, you got to replace them. And I thought he did a good job with that his first year, and he did, it, he did a good job at the end of his first year with this next uh, recruiting class that came in and, and the one that's going to be on the field this coming season. So I think, uh, you know, today in college football – uh, it, it's like free agency, right? You gotta, you gotta patch holes where you can. And I thought he did a good job with this, with this UCF team in terms of addressing needs. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to what they're going to do this coming season. Well, the most talked about topic in this off season has been the incoming quarterback, John Rice Plumley, And you talk about him prominently in your article. Is that where you lean and where you think Gus is leaning as, uh, you know, we go through summer here and go into preseason camp? You know, I talked to a few coaches in the conference, and I think ultimately the thought is, you know, Gus's offense is run the best when he's got a mobile quarterback, when he's got a guy who can be a threat in the running game. You go back and you look at his best years at Auburn. Obviously, Cam Newton's a phenomenal talent, number one overall pick, NFL MVP. Uh, but, you know, his second best season when they when they reached the national championship game when he was head coach in, in 2013, he had another phenomenal quarterback who, who could make plays on the run. And uh, you look at his best years and you just analyze the offense. Um, you know, when he's had more traditional stand back in the pocket passers, it's not that they've been bad. They just haven't been as efficient uh, and, and haven't produced as many points. And I think, you know, John Rice is, is, a, is a kid when you go back and you look what he did his freshman year at Ole Miss when he was sort of splitting the duties uh, with Matt Corral, um, you know, he had, he was phenomenal in the running game, really explosive, really special. And I think what you saw in the spring game from him, the way he was throwing the football was, Hey, this guy can play quarterback. He's not just a runner. He can do more than that. And uh, the fact that he's a dual threat in my mind, I think in the mind of a lot of um, coaches in this conference is that he's the best guy for the job as far as the way um, Gus's offense runs. Manny, I grew up in actual South Florida in Fort Lauderdale, so I, I know you work really well. I know you cover the Canes. I know you cover college football really well. Uh, one quote that Gus had that I'd love your reaction to and, and get your thoughts. Gus said, and I quote, UCF has been the best team in the state. As somebody who's, who's covered college football for a long time, someone who's really ingrained in, in Florida college football, what was your reaction when Gus told you UCF's the best team in state? Well, listen, uh, I, I thought last season they certainly were. Um, you know, Miami had a down year. They were really bad on on defense. Florida, you know, they beat them head-to-head in, in the bowl game. And I saw Florida State and Miami play, and frankly, neither of them impressed me, you know. So I, I thought, without question, UCF uh, at the end of the season was the best team. Um, I think Florida kind of fell apart middle of the year. Uh, maybe they would have been had they kept things together, and, and uh, but – They'd have an entirely different head coach there right now if that was the case. So uh, I, I thought UCF was the best team last year. And I think if you if you just go back and you look at the last five years, uh, you could argue based on on how well they've performed consistently um, that, that they are probably the second best team overall in, in the state right now. I'd say Florida would still be number one. Uh, the fact that they uh, had a little bit more success, were, were ranked longer than UCF. But I don't think the the margin between those schools is that far apart. And I think unless Miami gets its act together here with Mario Cristobal, um, that they will be the third or fourth best team, depending on where Florida State is. So I think UCF has earned the right to feel like um, they're part of the big four now. It's not just the big three. For many, many years, it was a big three because Miami, Florida, and Florida State were winning national championships. But it's been a while since that's happened. And 
uh, you have to recognize the job that they've done at UCF to get better and to contend for a championship and to be in the hunt like they were a few years ago. And I think they have a chance to go to the Big 12 here and be uh, an annual uh, contender for a playoff spot. You mentioned the transfer portal earlier. Why do you think Gus and UCF have been so successful in the transfer portal and getting a lot of these kids, a lot of the, the you know the kids, Alabama, a bunch of Power Five kids have come to UCF now. Why do you think they've been so successful there? Well, I think the program kind of recruits itself in some way too. I mean, it's it Orlando's a good place to come play, right? I mean, the the, the stadium, the fans, the, the whole environment there. Um, it, it you know, and for a lot of these guys who are leaving Power Five programs, and you look for a group of five school. Uh, you know, to, to come and play for, there's not many better than UCF, right? I mean, it's just it's just the way that they've been. Now they're going to a Power 5 conference, which makes it, I think, even more attractive, uh, you know, that they're going into the Big 12. So I think all of that plays a role in it. Um, I think the offense has been exciting for many, many years. So if you're a receiver uh, or, or a lineman and or running back, you look at the situation, you say, man, I go there, I'm going to get on the fe- get on the field and score points. Uh, so I think all of that is is part of what makes UCF attractive. And, you know, I had a coach tell me this, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago uh, when I first sort of got into this business because I asked him, I said, do you ever think UCF and USF and some of these other schools will, will be able to catch, you know, the big three? And, they, and, and his answer was to me, and this is a guy who's been coaching college football now for 25 years, he says, uh, UCF is a sleeping giant. If, if the right coach were ever to come in there – and they would get money to pour into resources, build a state, all the things that it needs to be successful. It could be a sleeping giant. And uh, I think everything is heading that way right now. And head coach Gus Malzahn brought in Travis Williams to uh, be the coordinator on defense. UCF made a big jump defensively. What do you think of that unit uh, going into 2022? I love the secondary. I think the secondary is top notch. I think, uh, you know, I know Randy Shannon was there previously on staff. I know he's not Florida State, but Randy's a guy who's always recruited South Florida really, really well. And uh, that secondary definitely has a, uh, a, a very much a South Florida feel uh, with, with the standouts on that side of the ball. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, up front, they've done a good job, you know, kind of building some some good pass rushers. You know, linebacker, I, I would say, is the only concern because you, you have – uh, a position that's hard, a hard to recruit in college football nowadays, and B, you don't have a lot of experience coming back. You have some new transfers coming in that you hope pan out. Uh, but I think defensively, you know, Travis, you, in terms of improvement uh, from from 2020 to 2021, that's the area that improved the most uh, for UCF last year was defense. And and I know they still had some tackling issues here and there, but uh, I think they've got one of the better secondaries in the country, and uh, I'm interested to see how they do this year. Do you see this as a two or three team league, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati in some order there? Or do you see a drop back for Cincinnati with all the losses they had in the NFL draft? I mean, I, I, you have to expect that Cincinnati in some way, shape or form will take somewhat of a step back. I mean, it, it's not easy at, at a group of five schools to re- replenish the, the talent pool right away. Right. I mean, uh, as good as the coaching staff there is uh, at doing their jobs and, I just think year to year to year, it's hard for a group of five schools to sort of maintain that elite status because you always have a big draft class, right, that comes in and 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 you you have to replace those guys. So I think UCF is in, in, in a good position right now. Um, I think I would say Houston and UCF right now are, are, are my two favorites to win. I think Cincinnati, you have to recognize the job that they've done there and, and say that they're a, a contender. But uh, I, I would say those three schools, 
in my mind, when, when you look at this conference head to toe, um, they would have to be separate, you know, uh, a sort of a different class going into this year. Many fill in the blank for me in this one. UCF will have a great season if they do blank. Score a lot of points. You know, I think I think it all comes to that nowadays in college football. And, and, and you look at Gus's offense last year, they were frustrated. They had guys that were hurt. They couldn't perform it the, the way that they do uh, or the way that they have for many years now. I mean, it was the first time, I think, since 2016 or 2017 that they averaged fewer than 40 points. And, you know, you got to light up the scoreboard today in college football. And I think if John Rice is, is, is producing the way that he is, uh, capable of, of doing. I think that makes all the difference for this team. I think that puts them on another level. Um, you know, defense nowadays in college football, it's, it's really more about takeaways. That's where I think the secondary comes in. You, know, you get a few interceptions here and there. You get in a high-scoring affair, but you have a good secondary that can produce turnovers. That's what makes a difference in winning games nowadays. It's one or two turnovers, and uh, if you can score a lot of points, you're going to win a lot of games. So to me, that's that's what it all comes down to. And perhaps the easiest follow-up of your entire career. If UCF <laughs> is not successful this year, this means what will have happened? Well, I, I, I would say what will have happened is that John Rice probably didn't live up to what Malzahn was hoping he would be. I think, uh, you know, if he struggles at the quarterback position and they have to kind of go back to the system they were using last year, um, that's probably – and it's not that I don't like the backup or, or the guy who I think is going to be the backup, but it's just I feel like John Rice – is what what takes this offense to another level. And if he's not on the field, if he's dinged up or out and they have to change things with the way they run the offense, then I think that's probably what what puts UCF behind a Houston and a Cincinnati this year. Otherwise, if he's as good as advertised uh, and you put in some of these other weapons, Kamari Gamble at at tight end, for instance, um, some of the wide receivers that they picked up, um, if those guys are are producing at the level that they're capable of, then I think this UCF offense is humming averaging 40 points a game, and they're very hard to beat. Does Plumlee have to be great as a thrower in order to succeed? I think I think he's got to be uh, – he, he has to be accurate, you know, and, and by that I mean, hey, 55 60%. You know, as long as he, the running game is working and you're able to bring the defenses in and, and, and sort of suck them up a little bit and, and convince them that, hey, this guy's a dangerous threat um, as well as the running backs – back there that you know you have this potent uh offense you got a running offense that you have to be prepared for if that's what happens um uh, then certainly uh i think you know you, you can miss a couple throws here and there uh but it's the play action it's creating that uh you know desire for the defense to creep up and, and and try to stop the run and then get beaten over the top with the pass let's end with this i'm a subscriber to the athletic uh, what do you like about writing for the athletic uh, the word counts are a little bit longer when you get to write for the <laughs> athletic right absolutely you know you have a little bit more freedom with creativity and and, and i love the fact that you know i'm not required to write for every single day you know i think a lot of times in this profession we force out a lot of content um that's maybe repetitive and uh and, and it takes up so much of our time i think you know, what I love about working for the athletic is we worry about the story like, hey, let's make sure this story is good. Let's make make sure when our readers, you know, click on this story, that there's something of value that they're that they're getting out of this. I think in today's world, it's almost 
Uh, and I worked for a newspaper for many, many years down here, the Miami Herald, very proud of the Miami Herald and what I did there. But, you know, certainly you get a sense that sometimes you're just cranking out content to crank out content and versus the athletic where, hey, we may not put out as many stories, but I think the, the quality of those stories, the information that's in there, it, it's more calculated, more well thought out and, and it's better to read. And and nowadays, I don't know how much people are actually reading. You know, I think if you if you if you ask someone to be honest, hold their right hand up and say, hey, how much did you read today? They may say, well, I had five, 10 minutes to read an article. And hey, by the way, I really love this article on The Athletic. I think that has more value than, hey, I read six stories on whatever other website. We know in a busy day in college athletics, <laughs> uh, we appreciate the 20 minutes you've been able to spend with us tonight. Manny Navarro writes for The Athletic. Great UCF preview online now and available. Manny, thanks for stopping by Sons of UCF Live. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Manny. Thank you much. All right, a little delayed in getting him, but well worth the 20 minutes that he spent with us, and uh, I appreciated uh, his perspective. It's it's good to hear those outside media voices weigh in on UCF and in some cases reconfirm the sorts of things that we talk about uh, on our shows. Yeah, I don't know how many people are, are know Manny and follow Manny a lot. He, he's a South Florida guy. I grew up in, in actual South Florida. Uh, and I know Austin uh, had a comment in there as well. I think a lot of folks, if you're from there, you're familiar with Manny. He's a hurricane homer through and through. And to hear him say that when Gus said UCF was the best team and Manny doesn't scoff at that, I think that tells you the you know the way that UCF's brand is building and the way that the the you know sort of the powder keg and the you know, the, the, if the right guys there, options are really, really in front of us now. So you got to feel excited when, when you hear an outsider and for all intents and purposes, I like Manny a lot, but he's, he's an outsider at UCF to have him come in, take a, you know, take a peek under the hood, likes what he sees and is, is, is willing to get on a show and share that. I think that shows you how much faith a lot of folks have in UCF. We interrupted John Kurtz in Kansas State. We did, we did a lot that. of stuff. Are we? Okay, we're going to do we're that. We're still yeah. going to drop that in on YouTube. So that would be sure. a good time to subscribe uh, to YouTube. Manny mentioned that he thought if there was a, an Achilles heel, this comes as no surprise to anyone that watches us. It'd be linebackers. I asked um, my Twitter at Seinfeld this week, grade the linebackers. 51% said a B. I don't know. feels a little generous. What I do think is interesting is that each time I ask one of these position questions, B comes up for a program where we've got seven home games, the two in Florida at FAU and over in Tampa. So nine times in state, uh, the UCF mics of the world saying we're going to run the table. A lot of people think we're a B at almost every position. Where is UCF Mike, by the way? I think it's just the safe answer, right? I mean, here, look, here are the key players coming back. Uh, you know, listen, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, JJB has to be the guy last year. He had, he had 51 tackles last year. This, this is setting up to be his opportunity to really take the reins of, of this linebacking core. Again, Lewis, Jennings, Johnson, we think they're going to be okay. They, they come with some bona fide, so we think they're going to be all right, but we don't really know that for sure. We know what we get in JJB, so there will be some wild cards. But it's also very possible that these three these two players that we don't know anything about get on the field and are fantastic. I think the B is an optimistic B around there's talent here. If they stay healthy, we can be okay. But looking at film, looking at statistics, I mean, I don't think the other – I mean, I, I know obviously Johnson and Gates played a little bit, but I don't think the rest of the team, uh, their tackles total what JGB had last year. So I, I think that's the challenge that you have to consider is there's a lot of newness. And if Travis Williams is worth his salt as a D coordinator and as a linebacker coach, then he'll be able to get this group to gel together pretty quickly. I saved one final position special teams for a poll this week. Same thing, same question. And 50% said a B uh, on this as well. 
I think it's something that Mike in particular, you've talked about, boy, it's, it's a long time now. It's going to be five seasons since Mike Hughes and mm-hmm. we haven't seen much in the way of putt or kickoff returns. And uh, remember that when all three phases of the game, you just don't want to do no harm here. Feel good at long snapper, feel good at punter, some question marks. Can Colton Boomer win the job at kicker or are we in camp Daniel Obarski uh, and, and having success there, but folks say B, uh, you say it's probably the right answer. I think the question mark really is the return game, right? Who, who are we going to see back there returning punts and kicks? Um, you know, that that's been, a, I think to your point, the third phase of the game, it's been a number of years since we've been explosive in that third phase of the game. I think, what was it? Was it the cows game? I think it was the cows game where we're Titus and we, we pulled out this fake catch and Titus ended up with a, a nice yeah. return on a punt. And that was the, that was the most electric thing. And that really changed the momentum of that drive. And that really helped propel us. I think, I think there was score on that drive and a, and a win in that game. We haven't seen anything like that in a long time. So Mari Johnson, Johnny Richardson, Ryan O'Keefe, they're all speedsters. They're probably all candidates to be back there returning kicks and punts. I think that's where we're at. Albarski, 8 of 14 last year. College kickers are college kickers. That's actually really not that bad if you think of the grand scheme of things. Only a long of 40, though. Um, so can Colton Boomer come in there and edge that out? I, I think I, I think the return in the game, though, is what would sway me for an A or a C off of the B uh, rating. Titus, where is he in the Big Ten now? He's, he's going to be in the Big Ten, yeah. He, he got <laughs> he closer, to home. closer home in Nebraska, yes. Gotcha. Managed to make it out to UCF today with some uh, former uh, UCF players. Well, in fact, Gabe Davis. Traquan Smith uh, had a delay, couldn't make it. And then Latavius Murray, who's a free agent, supposed to be out there working out with Gabe and Sammy Watkins, among others. And he was on a flight somewhere. We don't know what that means. Read into it however you wish. But do catch about seven and a half minutes with Gabe Davis that we posted up on the Suns YouTube channel. Speaking of that, we've we've hit that 450 mark, which was our goal for Mike to get a tattoo. Is that why he's not here? Mm. Yeah, I don't think we did that too. But big announcement. <laughs> so the uh, the the Sons of UCF Tumblr, the 10 ounce Tumblr has been awarded. We went through the the YouTube subscribers. There's actually a way on YouTube if you have a channel, you can see all your subscribers. Did a little eeny, meeny, miny, mo, refresh that whole bad boy. And the name that came out on top is none other than our friend. I think he commented tonight. Hold on, let me see if he's here. Our friend Dan Cundiff. Oh, Dan. Was the, was the winner of the Congratulations, Tumblr. I've been in touch with Dan. I've got the I've got the address. Uh, Tumblr was sent out today. So big thanks to Dan and everybody else who's followed us on the YouTube channel. It's been a long journey. You're all winners. To build out. You're We're all winners. winners here. We're all winners here. We want to continue to build that out, find new content. Trace had a great piece this this uh, this week we posted. Um, I know we'll get to a little bit, but uh, Brit's Bunch, a, a, a new charity is formed with Jan and Brit, who are obviously UCF super fans. The Brit Burger will be debuting this week uh, at, at Burger U. Proceeds going to Brit's Bunch, which is going to help out on a, a great effort that, that Jan's got planned out. So check that out on the Sons UCF YouTube page. You've seen the stories posted. You've seen the pictures. Trace literally has interviews, behind-the-scenes information. So does does the whole thing justice get to the youtube channel a lot of fun stuff on there let me ask you this jan complained to me i love jan and she complained to me but why do why do we refer to them as super fans she wants us to refer to them as something else and i said well, i don't know i don't know what the term is so scroll the comments let us know what should how should we refer jan to is jan in here so jan, jan is here currently actively commenting so i'm i'm, I'm open to taking suggestions uh, for whatever it is we want to call, I think they're super fans because they're just super people. I know, but she, I don't they're know. fans. 
I'm fine with it, but she didn't care for it. And, you know, so. Uh, Luckily, Mike's had, not here for this because Mike's answer may not be one, you know, that, uh, that fits everybody. We had uh, Anthony Roberson and Jordan Johnson on last week previewing One Kid Week uh, through uh, their uh, nonprofit work. And, and I ran out to Burger U and caught up. You saw in the in the walk and talk. By the way, by the way, Mike calls me out because I wasn't in a kayak. Guy doesn't mm-hmm. even show for the show, but I digress. Mm-hmm. I digress. Jordan and Anthony joined me in the walk and talk and uh, their work continues uh, with events Friday and Saturday. And I asked Anthony out at Burger U earlier in the week why it's important that he gives back. Our community needs something positive, something full of love that they can look forward to and that they can be proud of and that they can come together with. And that's what we're all about, just bringing people together and, and bringing them together in positivity and love. So that's why we're here. That's why we're going to stay here. And we need that in this world more than ever. We wish them continued success in the events they have Thursday, Friday. Follow them on their Twitter handles and you'll get more information. Let's go around the kingdom real quick and then we'll dig into that mailbag at a show that's going to be a little extra size. That's this Maybe Thursday. Mike will still join. I don't know. Maybe I'll text Mike and say we're still here. Yeah. 75. Uh, funny thing is, Two days ago, this was going to be the lead story. We're going to talk about that $5 million gift to UCF Athletics and share to Mark Hagel of Winter Park, uh, pending approval from the Board of Trustees. You imagine that'll be rubber stamp. This new area is, that will include McNamara Cove, the, the Lazy River, Nicholson Plaza, VIP parking, and a renovated practice field, all going to be known as the Gateway. And uh, it's funny, since you asked on the pod a week or two ago, Mike, how would you spend money? Uh, well, that money's coming in, uh, but uh, th- these folks want to spend it on on some other stuff, uh, and they they don't quite have Mike's priorities in mind. But five million, and and uh, Timo and and the team, congratulations to them. They're going to need some more of those. To- I was going to say, here's the problem. Now do it again, <laughs> and then do it again, right? <laughs> and that's the problem. Four uh, percent. That's all that's left in terms of season tickets. Sixteen hundred and sixty was the latest number. Will UCF sell out? Uh, Sixty-three days until kickoff, like the chancels. Uh, official today, uh, UCF men's basketball heads to Nassau and the Bahamas in November for the uh, Bahamar Hoops Bahamas Championship with Oklahoma State, future Big Twelve foe, maybe possibly maybe. Santa Clara and. DePaul. I ran into B.J. Taylor, by the way. We talked a little hoops out there today. Caught a little video of him talking to Gabe Davis. And that's some some UCF royalty there, you know, out at the UCF practice fields. And uh, good luck to a previous guest on Suns Live, uh, Jordan McRae, a couple weeks ago. And Marlon Williams there with the Birmingham Stallions in the USFL. USFL announcing coming back for a season two championship game on Sunday night, July 3, 730 on Fox. So good luck to those guys and winning a title. All right. Mailbag. Any walking talks? As we no walking talks. No walking no, talks. No. All right. Go Knights. Oh, yeah. I like the music. Let's go. go Knights yeah. underscore Paul J. Please explain. <laughs> I love this rant. Why we have no baseball cap for sale and only winter beanies on the UCF Athletics website. How is this possible? See, this is to me one of the benefits of going to the Big 12 is that there might actually be merchandise quality merchandise, the variety of merchandise. I think he makes a very good point. Uh, we, we don't need we don't need beanies. Uh, Can we get Scott Carr on this? Is Scott Carr available <laughs> to give us an answer? We should item. just tag in Scott Carr. Let's just ask just Scott so, Carr where Just so his is. FIU yeah. followers are like, why are they asking him about hot dogs? Yeah. The conspiracy theory here would be two things. One, new logos coming out, new merch app coming out. 
Two, you mentioned it, obviously, the fall season's coming. Maybe this is an odd time, and the new fall line, I'm not into fashion in case you couldn't tell, maybe the new <laughs> fall line is coming out soon. So. Uh, our friend Brian W. Peterson, what would a George O'Leary UCF team space uniform look like? White. No names. Gold. <laughs> Futuristic. Gold everywhere. Gold that, that looks like be, urine. <laughs> That's yeah, the way we're going to like it. So. Oh, we would have so. hated all of that. We would have hated all of it. There's no way. We all agree there's no way Space Game takes place under Jordan. No, no, No not as long as he's got control there. I think this is someone new. I I wasn't familiar with the Twitter handle, at armored underscore up. Will Jay-Z be wearing a UCF hat? He's, of course, referencing uh, the Big 12's hiring of Rock Nation COO Brett Yorma. Is is that something we're we're looking for? Wasn't that kid Um, from that Netflix show good enough for you guys? Uh, probably not is going to be my guess. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how often Brett's going to be in the in the heartland of America catching Big 12 football. So, uh, uh, and, and Jay-Z is going to swoop in. I mean, he, he went to the NBA Finals. I don't know if he's going to Bedlam. So, I'm going to go no. Our friend, a former guest on Suns Live, at Eric C. Henry underscore, with the tough journalism yeah, question. What, I called him out on this. I'm like, this? I mean, we get asked questions about, you know, uh, TV shows and movies and what we're yeah. putting on a hamburger. And by the way, Brits burger is uh, ketchup, mayo, pickles, onion ring, cheese, and crispy bacon. Crispy bacon. There you go. Crispy bacon. That is a must for Brit. But Eric asks, has Gus commented publicly, not that I recall, on the NCAA ruling regarding unlimited signing of players, especially with the amount of transfers coming in? Curious what the approach will be managing the roster. Uh, it's a good question. I don't recall him having uh, spoken about that, uh, but perhaps memory slips uh, on that. I don't recall, but do, do you recall well, you, saying anything about he, that? No, I, I don't. If you judge his actions, though, I mean, he's clearly trying to, to get as much talent in the door as he can right now from the portal. So my assumption would be he, he wants to win now. He wants to strike while they're in Todd. He wants to probably get into the Big 12 with a, well, maybe the Big 12, with a, a formidable squad. So it seems like he's willing to to maybe take some swings now. But I don't think he's commented. I think every time you ask him, he says, well, it's important. You got to navigate both sides of this and both sides of that. But I don't think he's actually responded to it. But I'll tell you what, that for every college program, managing the roster, studying the portal, trying to keep your guys happy, playing time, that is become 365 and making everybody happy for sure. Well, yeah, you're, you're a year-round recruiter because you got to keep yeah. recruiting your own players, right? So yes. it's, a, it's a year-round recruiter. And, of course, you know, you see them get a, a five-star. He's still a five-star, right? Comes from Florida. Or did, was he downgraded a star or two? Since Three stars. Yeah, yeah, he is now. Uh, but, you know, you might lose out on a guy who might come back to you in a season or two. So you, you have that relationship with players too. So that's interesting. This question, we get this from time to time that barbs us at Nightman94. The easy part, what women's sport would you like to see UCF at? We'll just start there. And for me, it's uh, it's beach volleyball. I'd love to see him at beach volleyball. Uh, yeah, it's beach volleyball or lacrosse for me. And then the second part of this question is, what men's sport would you like to see UCF drop? Dislike this question. There's only six of them, I think, right? I mean, I mean, golf. I and you make me pick one, I'll go golf. It's just gonna upset me. Uh, I'm sorry to the golf fans out there. My apologies. they're on the live tour now, they're fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Robert asked a couple of different questions at two letters, two words. He finally settled on one. He scrapped others, he didn't like the way he phrased it, so he went, So far, there seems to only be rumors about huge NIO deals. Do you all really think high school seniors are really being offered nine million dollar plus NIO deals from collectives, or is this rumor and speculation? 
it's so hard for me to believe this, but you know, I, I spoke with Traquan Smith at the Mission Control event a couple weeks back, and, and he sort of jokingly said, the, the kind of money being offered, kids kids might stay for a, you know another season uh, to, you know, instead of bolting to the NFL, about a, a chance at the pros, especially if they maybe aren't going to be drafted or, or have a chance somewhere else. Maybe they stay for NIL deals. This is a billionaire down in Miami. I mean, we could have spoken to Manny for a little bit longer and, and, and gotten into that whole thing uh, with this billionaire in Miami. I think there's money. I'm I'm I question whether it's nine million, but I think with the, the dollars we see in these TV contracts and, and a billionaire financing, maybe they are. But they certainly aren't at UCF. Do with it what you will. But all parties involved. This is the, the four-star quarterback who committed to Miami. He's out, he's out in California. All parties involved, including the quarterback, John Ruiz, who is the big booster, and the quarterback's lawyer slash agent, have all denied that this money was ever offered or ever took place. I then mm. saw a subsequent story saying that the agent, the lawyer, potentially is lying in planting this information, potentially to draw up more clients or more customers on his side. Because if you follow the story, he allegedly turned down $11 million from Florida and their collective to take Miami's $9 million. Florida denied the rumor. Miami denied the rumor. The kid denied the rumor. The lawyer denied the rumor. Everyone's denying the rumor. The, Did the kid drive the off in a, in a Tesla after he he's, denied the yeah, rumor. Yeah, he's still at the Elite 11, as far as I understand it. But if a four-star quarterback's going for a nine mil, ooh, we're in trouble. Joyce, rejoice nights. So there's still positions that are lacking depth. Uh, yeah. I still think we've got some questions Many. at linebacker. If so, how do you how do the gaps get filled? Uh, do we have existing players play dual positions? So I think that's sort of an interesting, you know, if the roster stays the same as it is right now, but you know you're going to have injuries. Where those injuries take place, uh, there, there's certainly some depth issues. I think linebacker is the first one you think about, right? We just saw how thin we were there. Katie McDaniel is kind of that 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 hybrid big cat Bryant role. So does he maybe roll in if there's injuries? I think last year we saw Dylan Lester come down from the secondary and play a little bit of linebacker. John Powell did that previously under the hypo scheme. So you maybe have that option available to you. And I think that's probably the biggest you know position of, of thinness, if you will. Um, is going to be that linebacker core. And I think that was going to require schematic change, not necessarily a one-for-one -one replacement. I thought this was an interesting angle here from at the Drew, oh no, at the Dr. Drew. Yeah. Uh, new Big 12 media deal. Consider this possibility. Do you take a smaller TV deal, say 30 million, but games are easier to watch, the UCF games, ESPN, ABC, Fox, the like, or do you go for harder to watch, the Amazon, Apple, uh, the streaming, but you get more money, maybe double the money. What do you prefer? Exposure or dollars? I think UCF has been chasing exposure for so long. I think now it's shifted that they need dollars. Yeah. Th so this is pre any uh, conference realignment, right? So this is my my take. I, I, I actually <laughs> this like question this question came in earlier. Realignment. Than, uh, yeah. This uh, was. Yeah. This was like 10 minutes ago before the whole college football world went upside down. Um, here's the challenge. I need to know if the ESPN ABC thing is going to require me to have ESPN Plus. Because I think that's the, that's the challenge. If he's telling me this is linear TV and I'm getting it on ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, then that's different. But if I have to go to ESPN+, Plus, then then I may have to change my answer a little bit, right? Here's the, here, here's the rub. Two things. One, for UCF fans out there, how many of you are going to go and get amazon plus or apple plus or hulu if you don't already have it just to watch ucf are you going to chill out your 9.99 just to watch ucf i think that's yeah. one avenue the second avenue is we've always complained as a fan base that we don't get enough attention to begin with particularly when it comes to the college football playoff 
if people aren't watching us on ESPN, they're sure as heck not watching us on Apple Plus. And so if that's what UCF is looking for is exposure, being on Apple Plus isn't going to get those eyeballs that are going to watch your game to see if you're really good to put you in the rankings. However, I think UCF would take the money. But MLS just inked a deal with Apple to move its games to streaming. And if if that takes off, boy, that'd be interesting. NFL's now debuting a streaming service. Uh, they could freeze out the networks and the cables and just do their stuff in-house. Might be the way I, to go I think, there. Uh, so I, me personally, I'm probably a minority on this one. I would be okay with it because I would know every week where my game is at. And I could plan myself in advance if I have the, you know, the Amazon Fire Stick, if I have the Apple TV box, whatever I'm at, I know where my game's at. I know you, for one, we've talked before, you're traveling at times on the weekend and you go, oh, crap, it's on CBS Sports. I don't know if I get that. I got to figure that out. I'm going to this. Well, hotel. yeah, I don't get CBS Sports Network. I'm in a hotel. Right. It's like a whole production. So you would know in advance, hey, I bring my Apple TV thing, I got my ESPN subscription, whatever it is, you know you're all set. So I actually would be okay with the ease of it, but I, I worry about the long term consequences. Our buddy at Eric Lopez Elo. By the way, Eric, were you fighting on the Suns timeline this Who week? Who isn't fighting on the Suns timeline? I, I mean, we've had everyone... battles, all the yeah. UCF media types. I, I thought Eric was above all of this. And then he got into a battle about our list. Uh, the list this yeah. week was the uh, yeah. five best road wins. I think you said it best on, on the pod where you went, Let's just have fun with this. Oh, Why nice. are we getting so serious? Okay. People well, we're so are so mad at each other. Yes. We don't need to call names. You're idiots. You're idiots. I, I do you, think that 2018 Memphis game. you've never Memphis seen a game. UCF game before. You know? I do think that 2018 Memphis game gets underrated because the blueprint was on the line in that game, right? I know it was not an aesthetically pleasing game. It the blueprint is on the line in that game. Two iconic plays happened in that game. The, 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 the Taj McGowan touchdown and then the McKenzie Milton flip over. If we lose that game, that whole season's off the wash. It's coming off the 17. Heupel's a whole new coach. The whole yeah. blueprint's on the line in that game. If we lose that game, that's, why I have that's a big one. And there are expectations. Beating Alabama was great. No one, no one was expecting that. Even beating Penn State early in the year, great win, but we weren't expecting that to happen. There's expectations for Memphis, so I think that makes I think that makes it. And uh, you know, Mike's not here after I speak. I, I have no speak, idea where Mike's. Speaking of attacking people on Twitter, yeah. I said Mike may have voted multiple times uh, on Instagram uh, with burner phones. I may have accused him of that, mm-hmm. um, but you may have. Yeah. Uh, how how is that going? A lot of people like your list. I mean, we we all seem to get people that liked our our list, and it's really, hey, it's summer, you know. We're just it's funny. A it's fun. so there are themes that develop here. There are certainly people, no matter what it is, that will say Trace is right. There are certainly people that say Those Mike are is my right. Favorite people, and then you. there are people, like the the smarter people in the in the audience and fan base <laughs> say that I'm correct. There every week you see the trends coming. So you 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 we we all have our stands, if you will, in terms of who. Who votes for it? I think next week we each make a list. We flop them and just see what happens. A little social experiment. And do you take Mike's list? You take Mike's list and put it under your name, and let's just let's just see what happens. Yeah, Mike certainly has some fans, some diehard fans. (laughs) He's got something, all right. All right, back to we answer his question. By the way, I feel bad for you. No, no, we have it. He says, uh, "Does softball making super regional put more pressure on other UCS sports?" He 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 names baseball, volleyball, soccer, the men's and women's soccer, men's and women's hoops, and if so, which sport has the most pressure? I I don't think that softball's success automatically puts pressure on other sports. I I think their wins and losses and their successes. I think you could say women's soccer has not been where it has been accustomed to being. So I think there's a little pressure going into fall on Tiffany Roberts, the Haydeck and 
but I don't think it's going to change until we see in the eyes of a very vocal group of the fan base, some greater success for men's basketball and baseball. I think those two coaches are going to continue to draw the heat. The only way I'd answer this question, the only thing I can think of that would allow that to, to feel okay for me is if there are other revenues that are taken away from sports because softball's on an upswing and we want to invest in the program, right? So you you take away some money from program A to bring it over to softball. That's maybe where the pressure comes in. I don't know if that's how Terry works his budget. I don't know if he says I'm taking 10 bucks from volleyball and putting it to softball. I'm not sure if that's Promotion how that relegation. Works. But I think uh, that would be the only thing. I, I'm going to put it on volleyball. I mean, they've been really successful, but they're going the playoffs, for a fifth right? conference. Well, no, you 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 skip over the fact that the they playoffs. did. But they did though this past season. They did advance. You know, final four. No, no, oh, final four. No, they were, were they there? Sweet sixteen. They moved ahead. They moved further than they had. Okay. That's why I think. I, I don't think volleyball. volleyball. What's this? I don't. I don't think volleyball. Sweet sixteen or bust, man. Oh boy. No, boy, raising the expectations. Where did at softball, UCF, softball, Sweet 16? At UCF Guy 23, how many out there in Night Nation ever make a deal with the sports gods mm. that if your team, whichever sport wins a championship, you'd be willing to be okay with other teams you root for, maybe including UCF, not having the best year? So would you trade that? Where's your loyalty? If, if the Cowboys win a Super Bowl this year, you take UCF. <laughs> uh, That's not going to happen, no. Oh, so do I have to make the deal with other sports? So, like, for example, as a Heat fan, we went all in on those LeBron years to the detriment of it cost us for the next four or five seasons to try to get back. I was all in on that mix. Let's get LeBron. Yeah, Let's see if we yeah, can you win take the title weekend, when you can right? get the title. Yeah. So I, I was all in on that saying, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice now and I'm going to suck the next couple of years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade. UCF's the only sport that I would say, you give me a win here and the Cowboys suck forever. I'd be fine with that. In football. In football. National championship. National championship. Not a gasparillable victory over Florida. Yeah, if you told me, wow, lonely bumblebee, what a uh, what a hater there. If you tell me UCF can win a natty, Whoa, the Cowboys will. Sorry, UCF. Wow, Whoa. the Cowboys will only win three games a year for the next ten years. That's fine. I'm good. I'll take it. At um, we'll end up here with at Bonks Realm. Who's the one newcomer you're most intrigued about? I believe this is a football question and. From the day I learned John Rice Plumley was coming here and knowing what he had done, I am most interested in seeing what he can do with all due respect to our friend JP Gilbert. I have been clear that I think Plumley's going to win this job and uh, he's who I'm most interested in, as we heard from Manny Navarro of The Athletic. I mean, again, the headline, uh, if Plumley regains video game magic. Now, Navarro might not have written the headline, but that's certainly a part of his story is that it really, you know, the success of John Rice Plumley could tell you how far UCF goes this coming season. So the, the word used here is intrigued. So I am most intrigued about Terrence Lewis, the linebacker. Is he a five-star prospect that's going to get on the field for the first time and just be lights out and, uh, you know, our version of, you know, the, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor? Or is he going to be a solid but not spectacular player? I think this is the most intriguing because if this kid has the five-star talent we think he has, and we know we have we have holes in that position, the, the defense can change dramatically. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know if he'll be on the field, how many games, what games, his health, his, his actual status with the team. So he's the most intriguing to me because if he's going to be great, then, oh boy, our defense is going to be good. Mm, good point. Good point. You know what I like about listening to your show? One of the many things. Oh, great. Yes. Oh, the music's 
music's going. You want to keep the music going? I didn't. No, I didn't no, no, no. I got, I got used to it because it was a longer segment. We got a lot of questions this week. No. Is when you get a nugget of information out of a guy, you weren't expecting to get a nugget of information. And that happened this week on episode 185 of the podcast with Brett Bell, a name that might not pop for a lot of people, but uh, he gave you he gave you a little bit of information there. He did. Do we, want to, do we want to share that info or do I want to encourage all of you to go find episode 185, wherever you download your Jeez content? It, he, tease it without name he, and name. He shares, he shares a little info about a, uh, a former teammate, a current player still, and maybe explains a little bit about what we've seen and, and the head scratches we've had from a production perspective. So he, he shares that info. And look, he's got an interesting story because he came in, uh, he was the first year of the Hypo recruiting class. Um, and, he, and it was actually interesting to hear him talk about Hypo's departure, what that meant to him. Uh, and you could sense a little bit of uh, uh, of honesty on a few different items in, in terms of what happened, especially in that 2020 season, uh, what happened last season in terms of uh, NIL deals, how that impacted the team. So uh, I, I say this every time we do these interviews, Trace. Trust me, I'd love to talk to the Gabe Davises and Latavius Murrays and, you know, the Asante Samuels. But it's it's the guys like a Brett Bell. These are the glue guys that keep a program afloat. And these are really the guys that often have a lot of the best insight. So I know Brett Bell isn't going to move the needle in terms of, oh, my goodness, I have to go download that. But I promise you, it's a conversation that you will enjoy. And he's, he tells you some things you probably haven't heard anywhere else. Fair. Fair point there. I Do you enjoy the interview with uh, Gabe Davis? He's he's a cool guy in front of the mic, uh, isn't he? He's just he's very comfortable uh, in yeah. front of the mic. And he answers your questions too you know yeah i like the bucket hat i thought that was a nice touch i mean very even keeled he doesn't really ever get emotional very you know it kind of reminds you that duck just kind of floating nicely on top of the water there. Mm -hmm. uh very very even keeled but look it's great to see him come back to ucf uh, i thought it was cool you had a little snippet with sammy watkins as well doesn't have any ucf ties went to clemson back on campus and he was like man this place is great like i like this place you know i'll do respect to my schools and everything but there's a lot of good stuff here and the fact that gabe is willing to kind of be that champion and and say hey guys let's let's go let's go to ucf we can get the field we can go work out you know that that only at some point will pay off in some dividend what it is i don't know but you gotta love that gabe continues to be an ambassador for the school even though you could easily go train to probably any multi-million dollar indoor facility and have the best trainers and coaches around him the fact that he's like i'm gonna be in orlando i'm an orlando guy I'm from Sanford. I'm going to go to UCF. I think that's really cool. That's right. That's right. Again, we thank Manny Navarro, The Athletic. Uh, if you don't subscribe, there's all sorts of deals out there, but it's a good read, a good deep dive on, on UCF football going into 2022. And we've got a lot of fresh content. Not all of you have seen that. We see those numbers. Come on now. Give us a, a subscription. We've passed that 450. What are we giving away? Are we giving away that one of those fancy hats he got on? Is that for 500? Oh, you, talk you, you, oh, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I don't know if anybody noticed it. Yeah. New, um, I don't know. Maybe some new stuff has just come in recently. I don't know if anyone has seen the lid on my head here. So we'll see what we can get around from, there. A, like from a little merchandising perspective. Uh, you know, there, there may some, maybe some things. So here's what I need all of you to do. Go tell two of your friends about the Sons of UCF YouTube. And so what you got to do to get this thing moving, get to 500 and Michael get a tattoo. He's not here. Nobody tell <laughs> But if you go there now, uh, you'll find out more about uh, Brit's Bunch uh, and hear from Jan about the burger now on sale at Burger U. Uh, of course, the uh, interview we did with John Kurtz. That's a good interview where we get to know more about Kansas State. What was the drink called? Uh, we'll tease that now. The Nancy uh, that you can uh, get in so Manhattan? And true Suns fashion, you know, we could ask about the football program, how good they've been, uh, their depth of linebacker. 
we got into what are the what's the bar scene look like around <laughs> campus there we learned about a drink that is popular in the greater manhattan kansas area apparently uh and i and all i can tell you is it's called the nancy the nancy find out how to work that into a poll or something after people listen uh after you know would you drink a nancy yeah, especially when you learn the ingredients. I I would try it, but I can't. Uh, I can't imagine. But I I would try it. Mike would absolutely go on a two day cleanse. That's not that's not enough of a punishment for Mike. He <laughs> he he would absolutely. He's he's probably still in that kayak shirtless somewhere in the Fort Lauderdale Inlet right now. So, dude calls me out and doesn't even show for the show episode. He might know what it is, though. If there's anybody on this audience that knows what it is, my money is actually on Mario on this one. I don't know if we'll have time for his, Mario, his response. Mario, respond here. Do you know what's in the Nancy, popular in Manhattan, No Kansas? Googling allowed. No, no Googling. Googling. No Googling. We'll wait. Let's see if Do we have some waiting know. music? Can you bring back some um, some music? Some, some, uh, Super-sized edition here. Episode 75 of Suns Live. <laughs> Waiting for Mario. Mario. Waiting. There we go. Okay. Messages. All right. Is it coming in? Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Mario. All okay. right. Well, you'll have to listen to John Kurtz, uh, Kansas State Insider, as our Meet the Big 12 series continues. You can find that on YouTube. All right, everybody. It's been a busy day in uh, college athletics. Our New Year's Eve in the UCF Athletics year. Happy New Year to UCF Athletics as it begins its final year in the American, perhaps, maybe, as it moves to the Big 12 in 12 months from now. Uh, for the missing Mike and Adam, I'm Trace Trolko. Thanks for watching, everybody. Go Knights! Charge on. I got to find Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.